the Lord. Well, the Lord is starting his earthly ministry now here in Luke chapter 4, chapter 4 and verse 14. We'll look at verses 14 and 15 in particular this morning. It makes something of a, a heading to the whole of his ministry. And if there's a title for this morning, it would be the power and the priority of Jesus. The power and the priority of Jesus. And uh, therefore, we can also draw this conclusion. It should be our priority also, and we seek our power in the same area. The power and the priority of Jesus. Well, first of all, let's think about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Under what power did Jesus Christ carry out his earthly ministry? You might find the answer a little surprising. Under what power did Jesus Christ carry out his earthly ministry? Let me read a few verses that have gone by already. Chapter 3 and verses 21 and first part of 22. Now when all the people were baptised and when Jesus also had been baptised and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And then chapter 4 and verse 1 of Luke. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. And then this morning's opening uh, words, chapter 4 of Luke and verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So now, do you, do you get it? Under what power did Jesus Christ carry out his earthly ministry? And the answer is somewhat surprising. Uh, here is Jesus Christ. Remember his person? He is fully God from the whole of eternity. He's co-equal with the Father and the Spirit. He is the creator and the sustainer of the heavens and the earth. At a point in time, around 2,000 years ago, according to eternal plan, uh, he leaves the glory of heaven. He's sent by the Father. Uh, the Holy Spirit oversees the womb of the Virgin Mary and he enters into humanity. He takes to himself, without any mixture, humanity. And he becomes a man, fully man. And in Jesus Christ, remember, one person two natures in wonderful union in the one person. He is the eternal person of the Son of God. He becomes human. He's not a human person. He's a divine person, the divine person of the Son of God who becomes one of us. One person, two natures. He takes a human body and he has a human nature like yours and mine, apart from sin. It's a perfect human nature then you might imagine that being very God of very God, he would carry out his earthly ministry in his own innate power as the second person of the one triune God, the eternal Son. And of course, he could have done that. But he didn't do that. 
he carries out his earthly ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descends on him. The Holy Spirit leads and guides him and empowers him and strengthens him throughout his earthly ministry. Why is this? Well, it's because you and I need to learn something from the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ carries out his earthly ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, and so too must you and I. Now, do you get that? We need to get that. If and since Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, in his humiliation as a man here on planet Earth, needed the power of the Holy Spirit, so too do you and I. It is an example as to how we carry out our earthly ministries. It's said of Jesus Christ in uh, John chapter 3 and verse 34 that the Father gave to him, Jesus, the Holy Spirit without measure, an unlimited outpouring of the Holy Spirit descending on him in bodily form and then enabling him and he carries out his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. But to you and I, we receive the Holy Spirit, but we receive the Holy Spirit in measure. Now that work of the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital. And this is revision somewhat for you and I, but it's worth just briefly going over it. There are three main areas as to how the Holy Spirit works in your life and my life. In two of them, they are unique to you and I, and Jesus Christ had no need. But in the third, we fully enter into the experience that Jesus Christ himself had. In the matter of regeneration, being born again, Jesus had no need to be regenerated. He had no need to be born again. He's come from the bosom of the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. But you and I, because of the sin of Adam, we're dead in our transgressions in our, and our sins. We are unable to respond to God. Uh, we are dead to God. We're alive to sin, but we're dead to God. We go our own way. And then the Holy Spirit, John chapter 3, comes to work in our hearts. And he gives us new life, uh, being born from above. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Where there was death, there's now life. Where there was a heart of storm, there's now a heart of flesh. Where the disposition was self, it's now towards God. This is regeneration. You and I, if we're Christians, have experienced that. And once we are regenerate, we're able to sit under the sound of the gospel and it starts to make sense. And we do the only thing we can do. We repent towards God. And we believe in the Saviour, Jesus Christ. We hear the gospel. Jesus lived a perfect life for you, keeping the law of God. Then he died the death that you deserve. And he rose again from the dead. And all you need to do is repent and believe and you will be saved. Once we're born again, we're, we have the ability to do that. Regeneration. And then, that work of sanctification. 
1 Peter 1 and verse 2, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. I'm still a sinner. I still get things wrong. I'm counted as righteous in Christ. I receive his righteousness when I turn to Christ. He receives my sin. But still in this life, I battle against the effects of sin. I'm still led astray. I still go wrong. But the Holy Spirit doesn't only regenerate me. He works in my life. He enlightens my understanding. He softens my heart. He moves my will. And through the word and by the work of the Holy Spirit, I ought to be changed from one degree of glory to another. It's called my sanctification. I ought to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, that's unique to you and me. Jesus had no need to grow in grace. He's full of grace and truth. He is the eternal Son of God. But then this third area, and it's not too long since we looked at him in particular. We can call it a divine unction. Put it this way, it's power to live the life divine. Jesus Christ had no need of regeneration or sanctification. Why then, then does the Holy Spirit come upon him in bodily form? Why is it that he's led by the Holy Spirit? Well, he needed power in his humanity to carry out his earthly ministry. And it's the Holy Spirit who enabled him to carry out the work the Father had given him to do. And you see the wonderful cooperation of the, 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 the divine being. The Father sends the Son. The Son willingly comes. And he carries out his ministry in the power of the third person, the blessed Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to his disciples, before he ascended, and the words are repeated and remembered in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, stay in Jerusalem, says Jesus, because something's going to happen. I will pray the Father, he will send the Holy Spirit, not to regenerate you, not to sanctify you, you're already being sanctified, you do believe in me, but he's going to give you power that you might be my witnesses, now, both in what you say, certainly, but in how you live. And it happened at Pentecost. And so the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit today, he regenerates under the preaching of the gospel. He sanctifies as we sit under the gospel, but he also enables us to live the life divine. There's a hymn, which I would have chosen it this morning, I couldn't find it on the... Uh, all the, the uh, online hymns I was looking at. Um, Enthrone thy God within thy heart. Thy being's inmost shrine. He doth to thee the power impart to live the life divine. This is that unction, living it out. It's one thing to be regenerated. That's wonderful. How marvelous, how wonderful. And then that inner work of sanctification, the Holy Spirit working in my soul, in my life, in my heart, in my mind. But then this divine unction to live the life divine. And oh, how we need this work of the Holy Spirit. And so, so often in the Bible, we are urged to ask and to seek and to knock. And in Luke chapter 11, ask it will be given to you. 
Seek and you shall find. Knock, the door will be opened to you. And then that uh, question, um, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke chapter 11. It's worth rereading those early verses in Luke chapter 11 on prayer and what to ask for. But every day I ought to be asking for that power of the Holy Spirit to be actively enlivening me to live the life divine. It is vital for my Christian life, that work of the Holy Spirit. It's vital for my witness when I have the opportunity that comes to speak. Oh Lord, stir up your gift that is within me. Acts chapter 5 and verse 32 where the apostles are speaking, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And it's vital for any ministry I carry out. So here I am this morning, uh, regenerated, summer 1976, sanctified since then, sitting under sermons, reading the Bible, reading good books, sharing fellowship, taking the Lord's Supper, getting to midweek meetings, change from glory into glory. Uh, This week in my uh, study times, uh, sat and reading and preparing, being enabled by the Holy Spirit, and I've got a set of notes that uh, um, by his guidance I was able to to write, and I pray, oh Lord, pull out the the central points, impress them on my heart, what you would have as central uh, for the folks this morning and for for me as well. And I could come here this morning saying, I've done my preparation, the Lord has worked in my heart, I'll just stand up and I will speak. If that's what's happening, you'll get no benefit, I'll get no benefit, nothing happens. Because unless my ministry is in the power of the Holy Spirit, then it's mere human power Human philosophy, human arguments, it cuts no ice, it gets us nowhere. It doesn't help me, it doesn't help you. So I pray, and you need to pray for me, one of your responsibilities. Get to those midweek home groups as we look at your responsibilities as a church member. And the first seven rules that Owen gives are difficult because it points out your responsibilities towards the pastor, currently me. And then the next 15 rules are responsibilities towards each other. But one of your responsibilities to me is to pray for that divine unction in the preaching of the word. But whatever our ministries might be, children's work, youth work, uh, visiting, uh, welcoming people on the door. You could just waken up in the morning and think, well, I'm on the road to be a steward. And uh, you could be a steward, you can give a sort of a smile, you can have your happy socks on and you can uh, shake, well you can't shake hands, you can bump uh, elbows. But you can also do it in the power of the Spirit and there's a difference, there's a difference. And people will see the difference and know the difference if you've relied on uh, the Lord to help you. We all have ministries, we're going to come on to that Sunday evenings as we're in Romans chapter 12. Now, don't forget, there are two, three services on a Sunday. We looked at rule number one from Owen last week. Get to the means of grace. Be under the word of God. 
when it is being preached and you can be there, get there. I think there are two spaces left tonight, folks. So have a, send an email to Beth now. The Spirit speaking to you. Or are you going to sit at home? Through choice. There are reasons why you can't be there. Maybe there's childcare. You're not well enough. Or you really are dog-tired, as they say. But maybe you can be there. Well, there are two spaces left for tonight. There's no room at Garden Church. We will be open at Garden Church. Whatever the weather, all those who booked in are under shelter. So we'll be there. Look in that wonderful verse in John chapter 8 and verse 36. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. But um, the responsibility to be there and under the word of God. Whatever our ministry is. So we're coming Sunday evening to Romans 12 and verses 3 to 8. The fact that we all have gifts and we all have ministries. And if you're a member in this church and as yet think you don't know what your ministry is, well, what have you been doing all these years? Come and see the elders. Have a chat with us. Maybe others can see better than you can. And we all need to be serving the living God together. So Jesus carried out his earthly ministry in the power of the Spirit, and so must you and I, whatever that ministry might be. Now, secondly then, we're coming to the priority of Jesus Christ. But before we get on to his priority, I just want to look at a little comment that comes from the point that he, he returns. Let's just think about the return of Jesus. Verse 14 again. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee... And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. So Jesus' return and the response to his return. Jesus returned and a report went out. Let's think about his return. Jesus had been beside the Jordan. Many were being baptised and Jesus himself is baptised. On that occasion, there were great crowds there as John the Baptist was baptizing. And at the baptism of Jesus, before a great crowd of people, the heavens opened and a voice came and the Holy Spirit descended on Christ in bodily form. And all the crowds would have been watching. And the crowds heard the voice. And there would have been amongst that great crowd great expectations they're thinking about all the messianic promises. God's promise to send the Redeemer and the Rescuer, the Christ. Uh, is this him? And there'll be a buzz going around the crowd. And then suddenly, we know he's taken by the Spirit. He's gone. And he's in the desert. And he's alone. He's in the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days at least. It's as if maybe, well, today's the 16th of May, and this incident of the baptism of Christ took place on the 8th of April, the Thursday after Easter, and since then we've seen uh, nothing of him and heard nothing from him. And then suddenly he returns. It's him. It's him. He's back. And here's how the people respond. A report about him went out through all the surrounding country. People began to share with each other. He's here. 
All the surrounding country, Galilee, that's where he is. And the report goes to all the surrounding areas. Now, how do they do that report? Today, we'd be on Instagram. Click, picture, send. He's here. Um, he emails. He's the one who was by the Jordan. He's, he's here. Um, uh, Facebook, tweets, text messages. He's here. He's here. He's back. Well, there's none of that 2,000 years ago. And it would have been word of mouth. It would have been word that have spoken. He's back. He's here. He's back in Galilee. And the crowds begin to gather. Curious. Wanting to know. Wanting to see. Wanting to hear. There's been no miracles yet. There's been the opening of the heavens. The voice from heaven. No particular miracles as yet. Messianic expectation, he's here. A report goes around. Well, what about us today? Are we comfortable about our silence generally? Today, we're meeting in the chapel. You're sitting at home comfortably as a family. What do we do? Is there any reports going out? Oh, social media can be a blessing, it can be a curse. Use it as a blessing. Tell people. I was at St. Bellin's Baptist Church today, and it's still in lockdown. Come along, my friends. Come along, say to your friends, because we met with Jesus Christ, the hope of all the nations. We go to all the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save but Jesus Christ the Lord. Put it on Instagram. Put it on Facebook. When uh, the social media folks, Liz and others, send out the little updates, what's coming up at the chapel this week, it doesn't take much to press, click and share. And it's amazing what God can do. Amazing what God can do. Don't belittle these things. But most of all, word of mouth. Word of mouth. Oh, what did you do at the weekend? They'll be asking you tomorrow in work. What did you do? What did you do? Well, I went to church. Maybe it'll drop like a storm. Fine, don't press it. Maybe they'll take you up on that. Who knows? Go fishing. <laughs> Why do you go to church then? I'm surprised that you go to church. When did you start going there? And you can start to tell them your story. In the report, go, come along. Come in here. You've got a book at the moment. I was around the lake yesterday and sat on a little, little wall with Jill and picked the dog and a jogger's going by and he stopped. Oh, hi, he said. And I looked at him with some familiarity. I said, oh, now, sorry, do, 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 how do we know each other? You married me, he said. You married me. And when was that? I married so many people. 2013 and we got in conversation and uh, he's promised to book in. He and his wife and they now have three Three children. Opportunities that come our way. We go to all the world. Come and hear. A report should go around. St. Melanie's Baptist Church. Don't come to hear Andy Christophides or Russell Williams next Sunday morning. Come to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, the priority then of Jesus Christ. What does he do? Now we know that throughout his ministry he went around healing and there were miracles and he fed the 5,000. But here's a banner headline to his ministry. 
at the very start of his public ministry. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he taught. And you will find, and I find, that in the Gospels, the priority of Jesus Christ is that he preached and he taught and he declared a message and he did that in the power of the Holy Spirit and we'll see it brought great opposition. Now, just because you're preaching in the power and sharing and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, people aren't going to be all for you. We're going to see pretty soon and uh, the week after next. Uh, there's powerful opposition in Capernaum. They want to throw him off a clifftop. But also in the power of the Spirit, some, some believe, some believe. All the work of the Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ, his priority was to preach. He did do miracles and healings. And the miracles and the healings displayed his compassion and confirmed his identity as to what the Messiah, the Christ, would do when he was on planet earth. But his priority is to teach the word. He is the word and he taught in words the word of God. Young people Friday night around the campfire at the farm were thinking uh, with Richard about uh, what's the difference between the word and the words of God. And uh, good discussion going on here. We have the word of God and the word of God is uh, words from God, and it points us to the eternal word of God. And the word of God is the glorious gospel. And we declare and share the gospel. That's our priority here as a church and for you in your life. You display it in your lifestyle. You take the opportunities as they come. You share with people the wonderful words of life. I was looking for that hymn as well. It's in our supplement. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of, of life, wonderful words, beautiful words, wonderful words of life. And for us, I come to a close now this morning, you and I in society, there's a very needy world around about us, physical needs, mental needs, emotional needs. We should do good works. We look to alleviate physical needs. There are food banks. There are all sorts of good works that we can do and we should do them. There are people who need good counsel. They're in darkness mentally and emotionally and we can share words and we give them counsel. But our priority is to declare the good news. And in that declaration of the good news, it's amazing how many other needs can be alleviated. Through the sharing of the good news, a life can be transformed. A life that had many problems. Many of those problems are resolved when they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Tis all my business here below to cry, Behold the Lamb. We commend you this excellent little book on Luke's Gospel by Dale Ralph Davis. Let me finish with uh, an illustration he gives about the centrality and the need of uh, preaching above all other things. And then we will 
close in prayer and have a final hymn. Once Thomas Hogg's servant. Now, Thomas Hogg was a preacher in the uh, 17th century. And he had a servant. Good days they were, called William Ballack. So the preacher had a servant. Once Thomas Hogg's servant, William Ballack, lay gripped with doubts and fears. He, the servant, crawled from his bed up the stairs to Hogg's apartment to ask him for counsel. But Hogg was preparing to preach and refused to speak with him. Yet, Hogg's dwelling, remember Hogg's the preacher, Hogg's dwelling was also in his chapel. And since the walls were thin, Balak, the servant, heard from his bed the whole of Hogg's sermon. And amazingly, all the matters involving his temptations and despair were addressed in Hogg's preaching. Davis goes on to say, I know it sounds dated and simplistic, but sometimes you don't need a skilled counsellor or a wise mentor. You just need good preaching, the lively public explanation, application of the Word of God. That's what Jesus was up to. He was teaching in their synagogues. And Dale Ralph Davis and myself, we do not say there's no place for counselling. There is. But it's amazing how much good can be done through good, spirit-filled, lively, spirit-empowered preaching of the gospel. It can transform many, many human hearts and conditions. The power of Christ and the priority of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this brief time in your word. We pray you'd speak to us each and every one in the chapel at home and those watching on recordings later on that we might either be saved or transformed more to be like our saviour and elder brother, Jesus Christ. And to his glory we pray. Amen. Well, a final hymn. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. You can uh, really sing this out to the glory of God at home.
Farm Church at 2.30. For those who are booked in, we are full there, given the, uh, the showery conditions, all under shelter. And then uh, five o'clock, two zones still free. Do book with Beth uh, if you're able to be there. Let's pray. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.